there are several names for birthing in water, and one is the great liberator. It frees you. It frees you in movement. It frees you in spirit. Just getting into water changes your brain waves into a theta state. And if you don't have a tub in the hospital, then bring a bubbly little fountain and plug it in because just hearing the water is going to give you oxytocin. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Barbara, we are so excited and honored to have you on the Down to Birth show today. And as you know, Cynthia and I are both big fans of water birth. We both each had two water births ourselves, and we're always talking about the benefits of water birth, but we know that many um, providers and parents are concerned about the risks around water birth, have fears around it, have a lot of misunderstandings around it. So we can't wait to hear what you have to say to help everybody understand the beauty of water birth. Well, I'm excited to be uh, present with such enthusiasts about everything about water. And uh, I love your show, your podcast. And so it's a great honor for me to share this space with you. I um, started investigating water birth in 1983. I was working as uh, uh, an RN uh, um, with a pediatric specialty. I was working in a clinic in Santa Barbara, California. And uh, a woman who was pregnant came in uh, with her, uh, an older child. And uh, she, I just asked her, where are you going to have your baby? Thinking that she was going to say one of the two hospitals. And we were going to chit chat about that. And uh, she said, I'm going to have a home birth. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be the first person to have a water birth. And I was like, What's that? Tell me, tell me about it. Okay, 1983. And um, she pulled out of her backpack a uh, scientific journal called the National Enquirer. (laughs) (laughs) And and it had pictures of um, women in glass tanks in Russia with the umbilical cord still attached and babies swimming between their legs. And I, I looked at that. I, I was already a mother. I had a uh, three-year-old and I had divorced the husband that was attached to that three-year-old and said, I'm never going to have another baby because I, even though I worked in the hospital where I gave birth, um, not in labor and delivery. I was uh, critical care, <clears throat> but and that's a whole nother story. But um, I was tortured. I was, uh, uh, it was, and my baby was taken away from me for 15 hours just because the pediatrician was on vacation and they won't, they would not let the mothers 
hold their babies or see them uh, until the pediatrician signed off. That was that was 1978, wow. and so I had sworn off of any more babies. But when I saw those pictures, uh, I took it home to my then fiance, and I said he'd been begging me for a baby, and I said. No, but if we could investigate this and just make sure it's safe, um, I would consider it. And so that started the whole thing. And long story short, that that baby was born in water in a kiddie pool that I had purchased for this woman. I just, I, I kind of came in and said, I, after doing some research, I think this is a good idea. And so I I provided everything for her birth. But then the night that the baby was born, I couldn't go there because I was afraid I would lose my nursing license. Because California was very tough on nurses who attended home births. Um, and so I I stayed home and my husband and I distracted ourselves by getting pregnant that night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better distraction. <laughs> I couldn't either. So her son. This is before binge watching was a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we didn't have television in those days, but um, literally my son and her son are exactly nine months apart. Wow. And it, wow. it, 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 I gave my first professional workshop to doctors and nurses um, mid, direct entry midwives in California um, about a month after my water birth in 1984. And to back up the information, uh, I had actually gone to France and studied with Frederick Laboyer, had been in touch with Michel Audin. Um, I didn't meet him until 85, and we became very good friends. And I've been uh, to now... 75 countries to teach about water birth, to provide uh, certification and credentialing to providers, as well as when I first started, I was exactly like you, Cynthia. I, I started teaching right away and, and I would hold seminars and classes. And this is before the internet. <laughs> and and uh, I started a nonprofit organization called Water Birth International in 1988. And our mission has never changed. Uh, we ensure that water birth is an available option for all women in all birth settings, period, end of story. And so I'm very happy to continue teaching in hospitals, medical schools, everywhere in the world. And COVID put a put a big dent in my my travel schedule. <laughs> I, I went from 19 countries in 2019, 83 flights and 177,000 air miles in one year. Wow. I've been in 40 cities in China alone. And I was I was scheduled to leave my home February 2020 to go to China and then Vietnam uh, to, to get uh, programs started in different hospitals in Asia. 
one day I had my tickets and the next day they were all canceled. <laughs> so, so I, like you, started teaching on Zoom, but not until about, until about June. I'm, I'm happy to report right now that professional certifications of midwives and doctors have passed 20,000 um, in my classes. And that was before COVID. <laughs> And now I'm teaching almost every single day. And it's a, a certification in education for the uh, nurses and uh, any doulas that come in uh, for the hospital. And this is a small rural hospital in Wisconsin that wanted to get Waterbury started prior to COVID. And, and now they can do it. We give the hospitals uh, protocols, informed consent, inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria. We, we do exactly what ACOG wants hospitals to do, and that's to educate the staff on what to do in emergencies and educate the public on what the risks and the benefits truly are. And so my website at waterbirth.org has a, a big flow of traffic from all over the world. I get invitations every single day to run seminars and uh, education for both parents and providers. We provide so much free stuff. It's incredible. So if somebody doesn't know that they could actually have a water birth in an American hospital, Canadian, Mexican, Argentinian, Chilean, anywhere in all of North or South America, we can, we can tell you how to do it. So you're saying if a woman is planning to birth in New York City, and none of those hospitals, to my knowledge, do support water birthing, are you saying the woman can say, this is my plan, this is my intention, and water birthing international will somehow support her or provide her with resources? Do we have a magic wand? How does it work? Um, if they call um, if they call before they get pregnant, we have a much better chance. Hospitals, we were up to 150 hospitals in the U.S. that offer water birth, okay, out of our 3,000. If you go to the U.K., they have 275 hospitals in the whole NHS system. Guess how many have cubs? How many? 274. Let me ask you this. If you had to answer in a word... Or a phrase. Why has there been opposition? Ignorance. Yeah. And resistance to change. Several years, I went to ACOG and ran continuous water birth videos. And doctors, especially student physicians, were clamoring to come in and watch. And they would stand there and they would cry and over a thousand booths were there. And mine was always 20 people deep. There was a passion in physicians they discovered while they were watching the water birth videos. Medical students are robbed of a whole education. They're just robbed of it. I know a woman who gave birth using hypnobirthing to twins in a local hospital here. And 22 medical staff ended up in the room witnessing her birth. And I always tell my clients, you can just kick them right out. You don't have to give them the education they should have received in medical school. But it's pretty remarkable to me that a doula can't obtain her certification without attending at least three natural births 
Yet a doctor, a doctor who's the quote expert in the industry can end up with their degree without witnessing any. (laughs) This was the look on their faces while I'm showing films of normal birth. It's as if they'd never seen it before. They have never seen it before. It's like, oh, what? That actually happened? Not one. The place where normal physiologic birth is respected is where midwifery has had a foothold for two centuries. Barbara, can you please get into the benefits of water birthing? (laughs) Um, There are several names for birthing in water, and one is the great liberator. It frees you. It frees you in movement. It frees you in spirit. Just getting into water changes your brain waves into a theta state, which is the most receptive state that we use in hypnosis. I'm a certified uh, hypnosis teacher as well, and it diminishes the receptivity to pain. It changes your brain waves. Dr. Um, Wallace J. Nichols is a marine biologist, and his book, Blue Mind, How being near, on, in, or underwater changes your brain and gives you peace, calm, and relaxation. Water liberates your movement. Water increases your intimacy. Your intimacy with your body, your intimacy with your baby, your intimacy with your partner, who's ever there with you. It creates profound relaxation, and it has a physiologic benefit of pressing on your body. It's it's called hydrostatic pressure. It presses. This is why you need a deep tub. Um, You need 45 centimeters of water, which is equal to about 18 inches. And that covers your belly. And if you want the whole benefit physiologically, emotionally, and spiritually of of water, you're going to get into a deeper tub. A 13-inch tub Sure, you can you can birth your baby in a puddle, um, but it's not going to give you the whole physiologic benefit. And the benefits that we have seen and that you both experienced are immediate and uninterrupted skin-to-skin contact with your baby. And a necessity, which is also a benefit, is delayed cord clamping because the the way the lungs transition from being supported by the placenta to being uh, exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide is dependent on the transfusion from the placenta. The baby cannot take a breath while it is suspended in the water, head out, waiting for the next contraction, that's, that is the, I think the biggest fear that people have is that the baby is, and we get this question all the time, is my baby going to breathe underwater? So, okay. If every baby were born in an intact amniotic sac, that's the original water birth because the physiology of that does not change as the baby comes out of the vagina. We have this whole misconception that as the baby's coming through, the vagina's squeezes out the fluids from the lungs and changes the pressure. And as the baby comes out, the baby goes, ah, and inhales. And that is so wrong. 
And I tell every doctor that I work with, please erase that. And all we have to do is go back and look at the physiology of newborn breathing. Hey there, all you amazing, strong, and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code DOWNTOBIRTH at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code down to birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. So how oh. how does it work? if Because we know... In a surgical birth, the babies aren't born with fluid filling their lungs. It doesn't have to get squeezed out through the vagina. How, how does it work? How does the water get out of the lungs? And what does cause the first breath? The placenta is the key element here. The first thing that happens 
when a baby comes out of the water and comes into the atmosphere is, if you remember the the first Home Alone movie, Macaulay Culkin looks in the mirror and goes like that. Okay, this has has chemoreceptors, innervation, the fifth cranial nerve, and it senses the presence of nitrogen in the atmosphere. You have nitrogen receptors. And we thought it was all about oxygen, but it's not. It's about nitrogen and it's about gravity, 14.7 pounds per square inch. And that signal goes to the brain and says, lower your pH, go slightly acidotic, which sends a signal to the, the whole system, the cardiac system, to close the shunts in the heart. Cut off the valve going back to the placenta and flood the lungs. 8% of cardiac output in the fetus goes to the lungs. To be able to have your first respiration, you need to increase that to 55%. So blood comes into the lung bed and every single of VLI, babies have, newborns have 50 million cells of VLI and they're encased by capillaries. There's uh, pulmonary venules, pulmonary arterioles, and they all get engorged with blood, and they literally squeeze the fluids into the bloodstream. So what people really need to understand is as long as that baby's face and head are underwater and there's no exposure to gravity and nitrogen, none of these things are going to occur. So they can sit at the perineum for as long as they need to with their head out under the water without breathing until the shoulders are born. So the head is out. and that's when placental transfusion is happening for a normal vaginal birth. For the water baby and the breech baby, it doesn't happen until their whole person is out. And so our APGAR scores on water babies are a little bit lower, not, not drastically, but you might have a, uh, a seven um, as opposed to an eight. You might have a six as opposed to a seven because there's not as much color. They're still dusky. But my my good friend Cornelia Emming from Germany created an aquatic APGAR. That's what's needed because by definition, one component of the APGAR is going to have to do with what is impacted by air. Circulation, breathing. There should be a water <laughs> version of it. Yeah. So it's because it's different. It is. To me, the goal of using water, water water-assisted labor, is comfort, peace, and profound relaxation. And if you get to expulsion and it happens in the water, that's a wonderful consequence. And you need to know how that baby looks different from a baby that's born on the bed. And that's, that's, that's the, the main part of my certification and credentialing is um, to make those decisions around your use of the water. Because water is not the problem. The problem is people that are making bad decisions because the, the, the placental transfusion provides an increase 
of um, anywhere from uh, 40 milliliters to 100 milliliters of blood. And in utero, the baby didn't need circulation in its skin. Then that's why all babies are born white or dusky. Okay, the capillaries have to fill, and the capillaries in the lungs didn't need it, and it caused a, a, a high pulmonary pressure. And so nothing can go in. The baby cannot get things into the lungs. The the temperature of the water has to be between 92 and 95 and no hotter than 99. Skin temperature is 95 or, or 92, 95. We want it, we want the water temperature to be ambient. Not too hot, not too cold, but on a cold, on a hot day in the Yucatan and a home birth that has no air conditioning, can you birth in 78 degree water? And the answer is yes, absolutely. It's not a harm to the baby because that is not going to stimulate a breath. There's only one thing that stimulates a breath and that's nitrogen receptors in the face. So yes, the Oaxaca Indians birthed in, in cold water. The the, there's Indians in the highlands of Panama that have always birthed in the streams, and they call it the lazy way to give birth, <laughs> so in the mountain streams. And so when can you get in the water? Anytime you fucking want to. Okay. I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, just as an aside, I've been in touch with people at the CDC for 25 years. Because I, before I started manufacturing um, birthing pools in the old days, um, I wanted to make sure that we, we taught people how to clean them well. Um, I invented liners, liners for tubs. If you bathe in it, if you shower in it, it's good to birth in it. And don't do vag exams through the water. Okay, especially if your membranes are ruptured and if her membranes have been ruptured for eight hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, 72 hours, five weeks, she can still have a water birth. Why not do uh, vaginal exams in the water? Okay. Vag exams are useless anyway. It's more position and station than it is um, dilation. The Royal College of Midwives suggests that you have one vag exam and you get permission for that. And, and if the woman refuses, so I have attended hundreds of births without any vag exams because the birth's not over until the baby's in the sanctuary. Uh, we just discussed this in our March Q&A episode, mm -hmm. how important consent is, how they're not necessary. My own friend and mentor, Nancy Weiner, by practice doesn't give vaginal exams. Uh, she will if she needs to, if there has to be some head adjusting, but she's been at births where she wouldn't dream of it. And when I asked her why, she said, because in birth, Cynthia, everything is meant to go down and out and nothing is meant to go up and in. Exactly. And that, and, and okay, just, just picture this, your membranes are ruptured, your midwife puts on a sterile glove, and goes through the dirty water and into your vagina and into your cervix. Right. No, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so much for that sterile glove. Sold. So silly. <laughs> no more convincing necessary. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Um, the most common question I get asked about water birth is, 
And you've made, you've made many references to the wonderful relaxation. What do you tell people when they say, what if I relax so much, it slows my labor? Is there something to that possibility? And what do you say about that? In my own experience, I'll, I'll use water for padromal labor. Go in, take a bath, and you'll either stop or you'll kick in. Labor happens between your ears not your legs. Your body's going to do what it's supposed to do. And what I have found, the water did its job, which is profound relaxation. And profound relaxation is not a concern that the labor is going to stop. In my experience, it kicks it into full gear. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the hormonal flow you get much more oxytocin. And if you don't have a tub in the hospital, then bring a bubbly little fountain and plug it in because just hearing the water is going to give you oxytocin. Get into the shower. It's going to stimulate your sea afferent fibers. Yeah. That was my question. What about women birthing in a place where they don't have access to a tub? To what extent is a shower going to benefit them? it's going to produce more oxytocin and with oxytocin come endorphins and with endorphins come adrenaline and prolactin. There's a, there's an endorphin that's responsible for the prolactin. So you're going to have better breastfeeding. And a few of the studies we see that um, we get, we result in a hundred percent breastfeeding rate for those mothers and probably because they're educated and self-selective, but but also, you, as you said earlier in the episode, it's mandatory skin to skin after a water birth. It's, there is no other option. Exactly. And, and also, uh, when you compare babies born on the bed with babies born in the water, when you do retrospective analysis, you'll see that your three-minute APGAR, your five-minute APGAR of the water babies are always better than the bed babies. Why? Because the bed babies get immediate cord clamping. Women's desires to be comfortable in labor is reasonable. And there are only two things that I've seen that provide unmedicated, profound relaxation, and that's hypnosis and water. And Mickey Mongan of Blessed Memory said, it's a perfect marriage. And it is. And by examining your own fears and facing them and creating that space for this baby because the baby is the driver of the experience it's the baby's birth you're the vehicle and the more you relax the easier it is a calm woman a calm birthing person gives birth to a calm baby and water is a miracle. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Down to Birth Show or contact us and review show notes at downtobirthshow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself.
And so if you want the baby to move, move the mother, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you want the baby to move, move the mother, bum, bum, bum. If the baby looks stuck, get the mother up or change positions, have her shake her pelvis around and wiggle up and down. 